The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shades thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Yeah, good morning, everybody. I hope you all are having an amazing day. Today is, that's right, it's Tuesday, December 12th. And you know what that means? It's 12-12. It sounds like it should be National Cop Day, Rico. What do you think about that? FTP. Amen. I'm too old school not to stick to the fucking script. It's 12. Mm-hmm. It's 12 on 12 today. And today is also International Universal Health Coverage Day. International Day of Neutrality. They mean that in regards with the net neutrality. It's also National Ambrosia Day. National Poinsettia Day. Ginger Gingerbread House Day. And oh yeah, Rico, I think this might be my favorite. It's National Dingaling Day. That's right. Hey, no, no, no. It's not for that. It's for it's for Santa Claus calling and ringing ringing children and asking them what they want for Christmas. That's what it's all about. You have such a perverted mind sometimes. I just I don't know. But nonetheless, Santa Claus Santa Claus will not last in today's America. Oh boy! Thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. You can look down below on your screen to see where we live on the internet. We are live every. Monday through Friday on YouTube, as well as Rumble, Twitch, Twitter, and Facebook. So welcome to everyone joining us from any one of those platforms tuning in today. And to kick it off, that's right, we have the dope dad himself, Mr. Rico Lamite, with the fancy hat, with the even fancier background. That's right, it is none other than the dope dad himself, Mr. Rico Lamite. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, crowd. (laughs) So, um start things off here just talk a little bit about new york continuation of jason's story yesterday we're gonna go a little deeper here uh because you know what the cannabis msos are here and they're ready to roll so we touched briefly on the story yesterday about uh hundreds of previously stalled new york licenses being set for approval q1 of 2024 not a particularly bad way to start off the new year but 2023's holiday season is looking a wee bit greener for a small number of underserved Empire State operators poised to close things out on a much higher note, the MSOs. The multi-state operators in New York with medical cannabis licenses were literally the biggest winners of the lawsuit settlement that held up state licensure progress over the greater second half of 2023, uh, receiving the green light from state regulators Friday to enter the adult use market on December 29th, exactly one year after Governor Kathy Hochul um launched the state recreational sales initiative so um can't say it wasn't planned from the start but uh per the article (laughs) new york's cannabis control board uh, approval had been anticipated for months but the uh, cannabis uh, uh, decision remarks a excuse me the decision marks a controversial milestone in the rollout of the state's adult use market Following the state Supreme Court's December 1st decision to lift an injunction that prevented regulators from handing out new adult use business licenses, the CCB at its meeting Friday approved 
Columbia Care New York, Cure Leaf New York, Etane, and Acreage Holdings, Pharmacan, and Cresco Labs to move forward before the ball drops on Times Square on December 31st. Speculation began back in June of the OCM, possibly allowing MSOs to enter the recreational market by year end, effectively eliminating a three-year waiting period for the state's 10 vertically integrated medical marijuana providers or registered uh, organizations, as they call them, ROs out there. Per the article, regulators adopted the waiting period to provide a first-to-market advantage for social equity retailers and smaller suppliers, but they shifted gears in an effort to expand retail channels and accelerate business as hundreds of unlicensed marijuana stores proliferated the market, particularly in New York City. That first-to-market advantage was largely erased as approvals for hundreds of card applicants and licensees were delayed for months because of lawsuits over the licensing process and social equity provisions. The OCM on Friday also dealt a blow to the state's small contingent of craft cultivators. The agency announced the state's Cannabis Growers Showcase Program, the farmer's market that we were all big fans of, um, would be scrapped by the end of this year. The showcases, which range from farmer's market-like setups uh, to more conventional retail experiences were designed to help marijuana cultivators sell off a glut of inventory, two years of which uh, left over from last year, and according to the state, generated more than $4 million in sales. New York's legal retailers that have been open generated more than $110 million in sales so far in 2023, far below the state's initial billion-dollar projections. New York operators told MJ Biz Daily in November the showcase was a lifeline. Wyatt Harms, the co-founder and CEO of Brooklyn-based pre-roll brand Flamer, said at the time that there's not enough distribution for small farmers and, and many invested their life savings into legal weed. I don't know why you would stop a program that is providing at least some relief to the farmers. And um, you know what, Wyatt? We feel your pain, brother. Um, wish you and the rest of the folks looking to grind things out the absolute best of luck going forward. But seeing as how California operators, you know, um, dealt with an eerily similar sequence of events, I unfortunately cannot really offer much more positivity beyond that. Uh, but being Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street for Hide 9 News, I certainly don't want to be the lone Debbie Downer here. Just want to make sure that y'all continue to follow the money. Uh, so I'm opening up the conversation to the rest of the team. Is New York's card licensing program DOA or Will the good people who chose to follow the rules be able to actually compete? All the people following the rules are going to get screwed. That's just yeah. is what it is. They're all going to get screwed. <laughs> They're all going to get washed like detergent soap. <laughs> I like detergent soap. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Full-time okay. Jack move. And, and, I, and I hate saying this shit, but we said this shit on jump did we not say this shit on jump we we, and gretchen we love you gretchen but gretchen was all all bullish oh, on the new york do, they're gonna do such a great it. job yeah, like, they're gonna do such yeah. a great job they really care full time jack move man from the jump that's what happens when you when you spend a career like uh dealing with bureaucrats and pumping you know blowing hot air you know to inflate them that's exactly what you get you're gonna get you know the, the buy-in, you're going to make all these people start following the rules, start kissing the ring of uh, the Hochul government, and then, you know, they're left full in the bag, not full of cash, if you were wondering. Yes. You know, the thing the thing, the thing, thing about this, too, and, and I hate to even say this, okay, but I've said it before, I'm going to say it again, and it's so, so sad that on December 29th, when the MSOs open up adult use sales, they are going to have fresher weed than all of the retail stores that are actually open in New York. Yep. That yep. is, I think, the first state that that has happened in, and that should just go to show you what a catastrophic failure New York has turned out to be. They're not even throwing a bone to the uh, the cultivators, and they're shutting down the farmer's market so they can't come to market, so... This I mean, is this is just tough. This is tough news. It's a tough way to start Christmas, uh, I mean, the holiday season. Also. I mean, in all fairness, the, that farmers market program was only was was only like a small pilot program, and I don't think was intended to last forever. Um, but it was intended to help them with their oversupply of year and a half, two year old weed. Now, yeah, I mean, it it generated four million dollars of sales, and, and it was it was that's like, called that's like that, that's four million dollars yeah. of suckers. 
right there. Oh, listen, I know. I, listen, listen, listen. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit of it's a little bit of positivity for a little bit of relief for the operators in the state, and it's a shame that they're they're cutting that off completely. And um, they're still like, even if it's a couple of weeks, you know, there's they're still giving a head start to the MSOs mm-hmm. over everybody else. This is. Yep. It's unfortunate, and and I, I agree. I agree with Justin. The track with Justin in the in the in the in the chat. He says farmers market was nothing more than a distraction. Yep, shiny object. That's right. Hey, 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 farmers, we'll let you go sell your sell your boof. Just set up a table. Yeah. I mean, why not? Why not New York? I mean, they're letting everyone else just set up tables and sell <laughs> sell everything on the streets. Right. right. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> when are they going to crack down on all the illegal dispensaries? And, and they, they don't know, have the manpower the or the bandwidth to possibly do that in life. It's, it's a it's a joke. It is. <laughs> I mean, it, really, it is. It just goes to show you how I mean, how much you can really get yeah, away with when government is hop, overburdened. I got to hop in on that. I mean, you know, to the question, when are they going to crack down on all the, you know, un, unsanctioned, illegal and unpermitted dispensaries? I mean, you know, I think we have a long track record to show that prohibition is not the effective tool. And so I think if we've got the carrot on one hand and the stick on the other, we could see that the stick of prohibition as a way to get people to comply or to be a part of a regulated system is a failed approach. And so do I think that means that regulators and enforcement uh, body should be completely stickless? Probably not. But I don't think there's an enforcement. Uh, I don't think there's an enforcement approach to unregulated dispensaries in New York that's going to cause people to embrace the regulated market. They're going to have to find a way to be all honey and not vinegar if they're going to be successful, in my opinion. Wow! Look at that yard. What's the advantage of getting a license and doing things right? There and is no the advantage. Rules? There is. Well, no I'll tell you. No, hold on, hold on, Jason. Yeah. You have you have the war stories, the battle scars, and the and the and the narrative to say otherwise. The advantage is I'll take the Bureau of Equalization and burden some taxes over cops and robbers. The advantage is hold on, whoa. Some- Hold on, cops and robbers? Are you serious? The cops, the, the, the robbers are attacking all the licensed facilities here in California and across other states, and there is no police protection for cannabis. So, so, so you're still in the same spot. He got me there. I know. I know. I'm not I know. speechless. I, I just got put in my place. Yeah. Hey, and 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 Yaro, I do want to give you major major shout outs uh, for 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 all of your wording on your Instagram uh, post yesterday. Those were fantastic, and I enjoyed every single one of your comments. Thank you, brother. Yes, I was I was told that because for those that haven't gone to Instagram, I was told that. Um, I should be less critical of Brittany Grenier um, because of her status being a part of two historically Griner. disenfranchised categories. Brittany Griner. It's <laughs> 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 just silent. My bad. Okay. Oh, man. It's so good. It is so good. It is so good. <laughs> Jason's rubbing off on you. Jason's rubbing <laughs> off on you, <laughs> It's all right. It's all right, Yaro. You're I mean, speaking your mind. That's what America's for. Yaro, Yaro, Yaro understands truth, bro, and sometimes the truth is undeniable. And sometimes yeah. it hurts. That's right. Yeah. Sometimes it hurts. It hurts when you rip Band-Aids off sometimes, and you get, especially if you got hairy it arms. Must hurt. It must hurt that the Russian Federation had to, like, put clamps on Brittany Griner while we were, like, putting clamps on all the oligarchs, you know, and, like, uh, and, like oh, impounding oh, all yeah. their yachts. Oh, yeah, and they had like a, a WNBA player that they had to put in jail for for a we're, car. We're, we're not we're, we're not gonna, we already talked about this story yesterday. We're not gonna we're gonna, we got to go back to New York. Yeah, Jason wants to shut yeah. it down as soon as as soon as his side gets criticized. <laughs> no, 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 and no, no, not, that's that's cute. That was the Democrats that were that were doing all of that stuff. That's real cute, real cute. But uh, yeah, but all, all yesterday's news cycle. Yeah, all, all in all, man, all in all, speaking of oligar- oligarchs, Kira Leaf will have a happy Christmas. Yeah, they year. will. They're going to have fresher weed. Than, they're going to have fresher weed than all the retails, bro. I can't believe, I cannot believe that this is happening in real life. I mean, right. So, so right, fresher, but let's talk about genetics, right? Like, what are they working with? Something that's seven who cares? years old. Who, ca- who cares? Who cares how old their genetics are? Because their weed is fresher. It means it's not going to burn your throat and give you some, like, weird Vintage. disease from smoking it. The only thing that was burning my throat was the internet troll yesterday. But aside from that, I thought I, that I, was burning your hide. 
<laughs> Chap in my eyes. <laughs> no Vaseline. Oh, no Vaseline. Man. Oh man, I hope you guys. Uh, we're, we're, we're the women on today's show. We need to. I, we need to be. We need to check this locker room talk. I, I, I hope. I hope you guys. Hope you guys check it out. On that, we're gonna go to a commercial. We're gonna be right back. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. Fantastic. He's, he's known globally for smoking the best weed in the world. That's right. But locally... He's known for standing up for people who say one thing one day, say the other thing the other day. But as long as they support Donald Trump and are against Joe Biden's America, they're okay with him. Y'all know who it is. Jason Beck. Oh, yeah. As long as they're, you know, as long as they're for safe and sane policies, I'm I'm with it. Doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat. You just have to have a little bit of common sense and not be from the far radical left. But nonetheless... (laughs) Nonetheless, you guys, nonetheless about that. My story, all right, I just have to warn you guys straight up. This story is long AF, okay? And, I, and if you want to know all of the details, I encourage you to head over to our website and read it, www.highand9news.com. It'll take you probably about 12 minutes to read the whole whole thing, okay? But it's a big, big, big story because they're saying, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Here we go. Here we go, guys. Here's the title of the headline. Stizzy's founder built a legal cannabis empire while being a landlord to black market dispensaries, you guys. Oh, boy. And I when it put this into an AI chat, so it's going to cover a bunch of topic points. And so I hope I can cover this for you guys. Amazing. Crazy. Yes. The sign of the build uh, the sign on the building said Jerry's liquor but inside Compton code enforcement inspectors found a cannabis dispensary called Fly High 20 Collective the city claimed the dispensary was owned by Tony Hung the man behind one of the cannabis industry's biggest and most successful companies Hung's holding companies owned nine properties that authorities have identified as sites of illegal dispensaries according to a Times review of property court and tax records Hung declined to be interviewed and said he tried to evict tenants who were operating illegal dispensaries on his properties. He also said he wasn't aware of or involved in illegal cannabis sales at his Compton property. Black market dispensaries have flourished in California even after legalized retail cannabis sales in 2018, and these illicit operations undercut the legal market by evading taxes and licensing fees and and ignore zoning restrictions and public testing requirements enacted to protect the public. Hong, 41, uh, started out as a cultivator and eventually took a job as a bud tender at a medical dispensary back in Marina del Rey, and in 2014, Hong opened a licensed dispensary in Santa Ana, but was also charged with several felonies. He pleaded no contest to manufacturing hashish and vandalism and served 15 weeks in jail, but his spokesman said he spent 10 days in custody and served the rest under house arrest. In 2017, Hung co-founded Stizzy with James Kim, and Kim has uh, courted the media sharing his story of using cannabis to cope with post-traumatic stress disorder after military service in Iraq. Stizzy boomed, earning $46 million in 2020. Its parent company, The Shrine Group, has issued news releases showing its executives presenting checks to local officials to fund improvements to parks and schools, and Hung applied for a Pasadena license to open a dispensary, but the city was uh, investigating a illegal dispensary at a building he owned. The city cited and fined Hung, but his lawyer promised to evict the tenant, but the dispensary stayed open. Hung urged the city to to raid his building after the tenant refused to leave, and eight months later, he sold the space to an opportunist, the tenant Amy Shida, Shadi Diaz, a 22-year-old. Hung's former former tenant Diaz and uh, decepted 
as a phantom-like figure in court records, is being sought for murder after she stopped coming to court. And over a 16-month period, Diaz leased at least eight properties in South Los Angeles, Huntington Park, North Hollywood, Compton, San Bernardino, that authorities identified as illegal dispensaries, according to a review of eviction cases. The monthly rents for each building ranged from $2,000 all the way up to $10,000. And Diaz acknowledged working for illegal dispensaries, but denied leasing them. She said she never met the man behind the curtain, she says. Diaz got her first job at a dispensary in Compton at 19 and made $12 an hour plus tips tax-free. After Sheriff's Raid shut down the dispensary, she found work at other shops in Compton and downtown Los Angeles. In 2018, Diaz said she got a call from a lawyer who said he could make the landlord a victor, and he said she was facing multiple code penalties, no felonies, and no jail time. Diaz received an email from an old high school teacher with a link to a Los Angeles Times article accusing her of selling marijuana laced with toxic chemicals sprayed on golf sprayed on golf courses. I'm not sure what that means, but okay. And a representative of the property owner uh, was deposed in the case and testified that a broker con- contacted him about leasing the property and sent him Diaz's information. The broker claimed that Stizzy was his client. And Spinner said he and his client agreed to lease a property to Diaz without running a credit check or verifying her income. Diaz paid $10,000 a month to rent the building. And after the city sued Diaz, her attorney uh, negotiated a $20,000 fine that she wouldn't have to pay herself. The city obtained a default judgment against Diaz for $8.8 million. And Diaz now wonders if her attorneys were just trying to throw her under the bus. Authorities have filed two tax liens against Diaz seeking $792,300 in back taxes, records show. And Diaz denies knowing the owners of the two San Bernardino buildings where authorities say she signed leases for dispensaries. A month later, a dispensary employee called the police and said two security guards had assaulted her. They took her money and product and tried to lock her inside. Hung bought the property in March of 2018 and sold it three months after the second robbery uh, property records show. And state tax authorities began investigating Azusa's uh, finest in, back in 2021 and seized $1,646 and records showing that the money was picked up five times the previous day, totaling $32,517. They concluded that the woman named Reina Mejia should foot the bill for the debt, which, which occurs $19,826 in interest a month. That's a lot of interest. Hung brought a property on 83rd Street in July of 2017 for investment purposes and settled an abatement case by paying a $50,000 fine. Despite the two search warrants, an eviction and sale by Hung's company, Cannabis Sales, continued on 83rd Street. A familiar tenant was named in the evictions, Amy Shadadi Diaz. That's right, you guys. You couldn't have guessed that. The LAPD raided a dispensary called the Green Garden Collective four times between 2019 and April of 2020. The owner, Philip O., uh, bought the building 25 days before the first raid, according to property and court records. After Los Angeles City Attorney uh, Office charged Hung and, and O with violating the city's pro, uh, prohibition on unlicensed cannabis sales, Periano helped negotiate a deal for Hung. A lawyer representing Hung and Stizzy sent a cease and desist letter to the Times claiming the newspaper had been duped into writing a hit piece by Stizzy's former chief executive, and the Times never spoke of the former CEO of his or his attorneys. After purchasing a Florence Avenue storefront in 2017, Hung tried to evict the tenants who had opened an illegal dispensary without knowledge but failed before eventually selling to O. In the complaint, city lawyers called the sale of the Florence Avenue building a, a sham, and Hung spokesperson said the transactions were legitimate and that the city falsely alleged that, that he was involved in the illegal cannabis sales. Hung and O oh agreed to pay the city $450,000 to resolve the case without admitting wrongdoing, and Hung said he paid the fine for convenience only, and that's in quotation marks. Hung bought the old, uh, old Jerry's Liquor building on Rosecrans Avenue in October 
October of 2018 through a holding company, and the city has charged that the Fly High 20 Collective sold cannabis for for years illegally, openly, and notoriously, they say. Hung Hung used the property as collateral to borrow $960,000 from EC Capital Oswego and $900,000 from uh, Cow Lynn Capital Funding and to purchase investment properties. Authorities identified the Torrance property as an illegal dispensary called Supreme Remedies, and Sheriff's deputies raided Fly High 20 Collective on April 20th of 2022 and found three safes uh, open and empty prior to their arrival. The dispensary has since uh, shut down and has been used as a dumping ground. The LAPD searched a building back in March of 2019 and found mason jars with labels for cannabis products, tote bags printed with marijuana leaves, and stizzy cannabis products at the property owner's home. Hung had no connection to White Castle, they say. And uh, that that takes does it for the summary, you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about this and all of the drama going on, especially you, Yarrow, cannabis and real estate and real estate and cannabis and all of that good stuff, because this sounds it has all of that in there for you, buddy. And this is Jason Beck for the High at 9 News Hour. What do y'all think? Sounds like a well-thought-out scheme that got caught. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what happened. I mean, look, okay, the guy, I mean, Sizzy had $46 million in sales a couple years back. This guy's well hung, okay, and he is being <laughs> hung by, you know, this uh, tried in the press, okay, uh, and that's another type of hanging. Uh, I just want him to call me the next time he's making a real estate move. Call me. Call me. Yes. Uh, I think I think a couple things. First of all, uh, I think that, uh, look, Biden pioneered making property owners liable for the drug-related activities of their tenants with the RAVE Act back in the uh, in the 90s. Uh, I think that uh, it's a really slippery slope when we talk about property ownership and that bundle of rights to make landlords liable for uh, things that they're not doing, for starters. Mm -hmm. I also think we don't have any sense of what this guy's real estate holdings are. Does he own five properties, 50 properties, 75 properties? Did he hire a property management or an asset management company? Did they do a poor job? I'm just not ready to like say where there's smoke, there's fire. I've, I've dealt with Stizzy on real estate uh, in their growth and expansion strategy in, my, in a previous role as a director of real estate at CanDev. They were always great to work with. They were professional. When I judge of cartridges last year. I'm not going to say it was my favorite cartridge, but in terms of the way that the company presented itself and the limited interactions that I've had with it professionally, they were buttoned up. They were very professional and they were easy to work with. Um, if he did lease to unlicensed operators and if he did know about it, there's a part of me that doesn't have any heartburn about that either. And I know that's kind of uh, controversial to say, um, but uh, um I don't know. I just the whole thing sounds like it could be the beginning of like a, a docu series or a mini drama. I would like to have a I supporting role in that. I would like to be You want to be the real estate I mean, agent? I want to be the person charged with murder who bought the property back just because, you know, I want that gritty role. Um I mean, it really sounds like it's a full contact sport down there. I, I I'm going to reserve most of my judgment till we have all the facts. Um and and then the other thing that's also really challenging for me is when you when you when somebody pays a half a million dollars to not admit wrongdoing, I often wonder: is it a shakedown or is that an equitable remedy? If somebody wants a half a million dollars from a private party to resolve something, I just wonder how much there there is there because if it's really nefarious, my unfortunately my limited experience is the government won't take money in lieu of something else. I want a half a million dollars myself just to settle some things. Too. It'd be nice. That'd be fantastic. It'd be nice, nice, nice way to end I mean, here, I mean nice as, we know, as we know, all of the local governments in these small towns in Southern California are by and large corrupt. And uh, I could I could definitely see this being uh, some hush money payments, uh, you know, enveloped in uh, some other kind of remedies that are equitable, maybe. But someone, you know, someone got it in their mind that, hey, we'll let these guys operate. We know they're illegal. We know they're not licensed, but we'll make them pay at the end of the day. And I think when bureaucrats start playing that kind of game, it's really dangerous. And it kind of uh, upends our our democracy a little bit. But, you know, this is Southern California. I mean, this is uh, this is the this is the 
what is it, the sixth largest uh, economy in the in the in the world? So I mean, they're gonna do as they please, and if you're doing things, uh, you know, on the low, and they oh, find yeah. out. You better have some deep pockets. Better have yes. some deep pockets. And, and, and on that, we're going to keep we're gonna keep this train moving. We're way over time right now. We're going to move right into Mr. Yarrow Cooper and our very own little Florida man who does cannabis. He does real estate, and he does cannabis real estate, too. That's right. It is none other than Mr. Yarrow Cooper. Oh, my God. I wish I had that little clap soundtrack here at home so that when I said things to my kids, like, clean your room, there was somebody in the background just clapping for me or, I, you know, when I – right there. I need that on, like, a little button on demand. When I think I win an argument with my wife, yeah. I will. Oh, that would be awesome. All right. So that would be awesome. She'd probably uh, throw it away. But anyway. Tuesday, December 12th, 9.31 a.m. Good morning, Hyatt News viewers. This is Yaro Kubrin. My article today is the Cannabis Nurses Network recognizes cannabis nursing achievements in 2023. The Cannabis Nurse Network announced the winners of their 2023 Cannabis Nurses of the Year Award. This year, 64 nurses were nominated, a record number since the awards began. Founded in 2015, the mission of the Cannabis Nurse Network is to provide education and opportunities to cannabis nurses worldwide, and the annual awards recognize the accomplishment of cannabis nurses and advancements in cannabis nursing throughout the year. According to the CNN, the 2023 award categories and winners are as follows. Cannabis Nursing Team of the Year, Cannabis Nurse Network Speakers Bureau. Sounds like they gave the award to themselves. I don't know. Cannabis Nurse Research Excellence, Nikit Pachet. I'm so sorry for mispronouncing your name. Advocacy and Policy Champion, Lisa Cheatham. Cannabis Patient Care Excellence, Caitlin Burhard. Cannabis Nursing Education Leader, Shakira Franklin. Cannabis Nurse, Nurse Author of the Year, Jenna Champagne. Innovative Practice Award Leader, Heather Shelton. Community Engagement and Outreach, again, Lisa Cheatham. Rising Star in Cannabis Nursing, again, Lisa Cheatham. Collaborative Spirit Award, Lisa Cheatham again. Cannabis Nurse of the Year, Heather Manis. Cannabis Nurse Mentor of the Year, Heather Manis, Lifetime Achievement Award, J.C. Leonard. This year, the Lifetime Achievement Award was renamed in honor of nurse J.C. Denise Leonard, who passed away earlier this year. As we celebrate these outstanding professionals, we are reminded of the crucial role nurses play in advancing the understanding and integration of cannabis into healthcare, stated the CNN. Their dedication, expertise, and compassion continues to pave the way for a future where cannabis is an integral part of patient care and wellness. Congratulations to all the nominees and award winners for their exceptional achievements and for setting new standards of excellence in cannabis nursing. In another major milestone of cannabis nursing, in September of 2023, the American Nurses Association, a national institution that represents the interests of millions of nurses, recognized cannabis nursing as an official specialty nursing practice. So let me kick this off. First of all, I, I mean, I, do, do we do we even begin to recognize the contribution of nurses, cannabis or otherwise, in a way that is commensurate with their contribution to society? Not even close. Do I love that this organization has been doing this since 2015? Very much. Do I love that they are celebrating the practitioners in their field who are really innovating and being fearless and 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 and, and setting a new standard? Absolutely. Do I want to meet this Lisa Cheatham who won like four awards? I mean, she pulled like a Titanic and just got all the Oscars, best screenplay, best soundtrack, best everything. I would love to take that person out to lunch. Uh, honestly, I just wanted to start with some good news this morning. I think this is an emerging field. I think we have a lot of room to go in terms of the medical advancements that can happen as a result of cannabis science. And I'm just super stoked that these people are being highlighted and amplified for their good work. This is Yaro Kubrin, High and Nine News. What do you guys think? Shout out to the Right yep. on target. Shout out yep. to the nurses, man. Nurses yep. don't get the credit that they deserve in any uh, like you said, in any situation, no. do yep. all of the work and get none of the credit. But mm -hmm. uh, the work that these folks are doing, you know, to promote healing with cannabis is huge. Oh, I know yeah, Heather and Ken, and I'd like to meet Lisa Cheatham uh, also. Um, and Lisa, call me. We're going to go out for lunch with Todd. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to. Oh, you uh, guys are funny. But, uh, but it is yes. nice that they are getting recognized uh, 
because you know nurses are the best people on the planet. Mm -hmm. Yep, we need to be we need to be amplifying, uh, uh, piggybacking off of what you said, uh, Yara. We need to be amplifying more folks like this that are doing great things for society and get you know a little less emphasis on these celebrities and shit who just have a big mouth and big platforms and. Um, most more times than not they don't know what they're talking about and they're just uh, going with whatever their donors are telling them to say so we need to be amplifying more of the uh, the efforts of the nurses the doctors uh, the scientists mm -hmm. yeah the, the people who, who are behind the scenes who are uh, are very very seldom uh, given the flowers that they deserve in our society period so mm -hmm. big ups to the nurses did you say and, uh, given the flowers that they deserve Cause I got some flowers for these people. Like I got oh you. Oh boy. And oh and yeah. you, and I mean, look. The thing, the thing yeah. that I, comes to mind for me. Flowers. We 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 complain a lot about regulators and the state of the union in this industry. Yeah. And yeah. I think this industry is well served to focus on organizations and the practitioners in this organization and to and to flip the script every day and to say, how can we help you? What is it that we as an industry need to be doing better to be able to serve your medical pursuits and ultimately better patient outcomes? And so I love the idea that there's room for improvement here as an industry, both in compassionate care programs and how we support these nurses, because at the end of the day, they're the tip of the spear. Mm -hmm. and shout out. I, wish, shout out. I wish it was just up to us on that. I have a lot to say on this subject, but we don't have enough time. But uh, I just want to say, no like, way. come on, don't hold back. Our medical, our medical system is totally broken in this country. As someone who comes from a family of a lot of doctors um, and also has nurses and in, in my extended family, I can tell you this: that they're just they're they're becoming the new teachers in our society. They're becoming the most underpaid and their expectation is the highest. And uh, it's pretty tragic when we have such a system in this country that takes our money and gives it to these intermediary companies like these insurance companies and then they fuck up this whole thing. And so those poor nurses and those even those poor doctors, I have to say that like they they are at the forefront of this and they're feeling the burden weights all on their shoulders since covid it's been a shit show and uh i really i really feel for all the nurses out there and all the doctors especially the ones that work in the emergency rooms um which my family also does and i'll tell you that um there's a lot more to this than than just like you know um giving props and giving them accolades it's supporting those people so as a society we just need to do a better job and hopefully they feel that impact yes and and shout out to to lisa cappuccini who is in our in in our audience watching she is a nurse out in connecticut and all of the nurses and justin he's on fire today he says bring back the 420 nurses and on that we're gonna go to a commercial and be right back patty, shout out nurse patty the control tower from highly educated has perfected the dab utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation you can waste none of it and taste all of it the micro texture of the se pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures and with the tower propelling at 2600 rpms it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date the control tower from highly educated uh stop whatever you're doing make sure you hit that like button make sure you subscribe to the channel if you've not subscribed already and all the articles that we cover today all the stories you can read on our website at www.hyatnightnews.com check it out today I'm Jason Beck, and this is Smoky Vanilla. And if you want to feel as good as I look, then you need to get yourself a stretch and smoke with Smoky Vanilla. That's right, baby. I'm Smoky Vanilla with my background in kinesiology. I'm a sports massage therapist and stretch coach. I focus mostly on athletes who have chronic pain or injury due to their sport, or the legends of the chronic in the game, baby. Oh, yeah, you know what it is. We just stretched, and now we're going to smoke, because you know what it is. That's right. I love intuitively creating a session based on the individual I'm working with. We'll go through a few assessments, look at the past health history, injury, or anything that's still affecting you today, and create a customized session just for you. Let's go. Mother-in-law, my sister-in-law, they're all nurses, man. So big ups to the nurses. But uh, That's super noble. Super noble. 
This dope dad and 15-year industry vets and award-winning solvent extraction pioneer with a current focus on helping menopausal women say hello and hi once again. Up next, Saman Razani. Hello, hello, my people. All right, happy Tuesday, happy Tuesday. This is a short story, but an important story just to let everybody know that shit is still going down in these cultivation facilities. And we have a new voluntary recall from one of the California operators producing premium indoor cannabis flower. This story from MJ Biz Daily, California marijuana grower voluntarily recalls pesticide tainted flower. The end, uh, it's important to note too that they did uh, they did update the story. Um, they say this story has been updated to delete two inadvertent represent references to an incorrect pesticide. So you know, kudos to MJ Biz Daily for updating their shit. Uh, an indoor marijuana grower in California has alerted regulators and the st and the state's track and trace system that a certain batch of its flower in the market contains prohibited pesticides. As a result. Grizzly Peak Farms implemented a voluntary recall on its Zope flower. I don't know. Can we say Zope? Can we say? You can Z say it. You can say it. We have to say Soap. Zope with the Z. There's Zope flower strain after testing from the state's Department of Cannabis Control confirmed the presence of the pesticide chlorophenifer. The greenhouse pesticide is sprayed directly on leaves to combat mites, caterpillars, fungus, gnats, and other pests. This product is being pulled from the market to protect consumer safety, DCC spokesman David Hafner told MJ Biz Daily via email. Grizzly Peak's participation in the recall is the right thing to do and is in line with the need to protect our state's consumers. Grizzly Peak, which has operations in Oakland and San Diego, describes itself as a vertically integrated cannabis company dedicated to cultivating unique strains of premium indoor flower. The DCC, according to an email obtained by MJ Biz Daily, began sending out notices December 7th to affected retailers and distributors in possession of the contaminated product. All retail sales and distribution of this adulterated batch must cease immediately, the notice warned. It is unlawful to distribute, sell, hold, or offer for sale an adulterated cannabis good. The DCC notice also directed affected companies to collect, segregate, and quarantine all the units of flower batch, uh, all the units of this flower batch until the recall is finalized and the product can be transferred to the responsible licensee or destroyed. And that is the uh, the story from MJ Biz Daily. So you know, industry regulations doing their job of keeping pesticides away from people, potentially immunocompromised people, which is a good thing. But I'd love to hear what everybody has to say about this. And I do have some information on chlorophenepper if anybody's interested to know what it is and what products contain chlorophenepper. Well, uh, big ups to. Um... The, the, the self uh, proclaimed uh, a recall here. I'm a little biased because uh, self it wasn't for Maddie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a little biased here because uh, because Grizzly Peaks, Grizzly Peaks founder uh, Matt Yamashita, in a roundabout way, I would not be in the game if it wasn't for him. He's my OG's OG He's back in the days in, in Hawaii, and uh, just knowing him on a personal basis like he is all about you know clean meds and clean, getting clean meds uh getting clean product out to people so i am not surprised that um uh, that uh, they voluntarily uh, pulled this back and then he's also um, the one that was leading the charge trying to get folks paid uh, after getting ripped off by um, um uh, a lot of these um these people that are skipping out on bills mm. uh, for the industry too so um so big ups to them but i'm by i'm biased uh, you know uh, for grizzly peak Saman, is, Saman, is there any truth to what's in the chat of them saying that uh, that it's not something that they sprayed on the plants? It's actually in the walls of the building that they're cultivating in. Um, I mean, look, here's the thing about some of these pesticides: is some of them are water soluble and some of them are not. And so, if you're cleaning a facility, then you have to, you know, make sure that you're using solvents or whatever, or you know, water and soap to clean up, and maybe both. And it just depends on what they were doing. Here's the thing. Indoor cultivation facilities, if they're just freshly built, I mean, they're not agricultural there's no, facilities. There's nothing freshly built in Oakland where Grizzly Peak is. 
Okay, well, I, I don't know. I don't know where these guys are at, so thanks they're, for They're in Oakland. Grizzly Peaks in so, Oakland. Uh, it says Oakland and San Diego. Maybe they have a San Diego let, agricultural, uh, you know. Let, yeah, let, let, let's focus the on point, Oakland. The point I'm trying to make is it's not a greenhouse. If it's a greenhouse and there was like it's four not, it's kids, indoor. There, it's indoor. there was something else. So I, I do know of cultivators who have gotten contamination from their buildings, and the process of elimination to figure out where that's coming from can be costly and time-consuming. To me, this article says the system works to the best that it can. We've got a company that did the right thing, lab testing that worked, a product recall that didn't affect patients and consumers. I'm not mad at that. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I don't understand how you have a product recall if you're getting all this testing done before it goes out to the public. That's the part that I don't there. understand. That's when it's, it's being done in batch tests, right? They're bulk batch tests. So they get 50 pounds or whatever, and they're testing that. It's coming back in that test of their bulk batch. So that's actually, they have to do an R&D test if they really want to be, you know, safe to not have a but, product that's but already Simone, packaged. But Simon, if, if it doesn't pass the test, it wouldn't be a voluntary recall. That stuff would be earmarked to either be destroyed or remediated. So, so no, I don't understand the voluntary recall. That just sounds like BS to me. Voluntary means that they're not putting up a fight. They're not fighting, and they're saying, yes, we'll gladly take that back. No, no, but that, you're missing my point. How would it even end up on the shelf in the first place if the system no. works so well? Look, Nobody said it ended them. up on the shelf. They just said it was a voluntary recall. They, they could be selling but, but it. But isn't, isn't that the purpose of a recall? Because otherwise they would have just said that they failed some tests, and therefore therefore the product never made it onto the market. A recall, a recall to me means – a recall it can get to me. further down in the supply chain. It can get further down in the supply chain before somebody sees something wrong, and then you have the recall. I'm just saying. I, I feel as though that you can't sell it. We don't know. Sell it without a COA. I, I, I feel as though when you use the word recall, that is meaning that it was something that was sent out to the, that the general public had access to. That to me is what a recall means. Otherwise, you would have failed the test and had a sour batch and thrown it away and wasted it. That's right. Okay, yeah, I mean, right. point, but at the same token, it's they could have resold it in bulk to be repackaged by other brands to, at these distribution centers. So we don't know. We actually How don't. How can you resell it? You can't resell it after 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 a COA, Saman. I said repackage it. Did I not? I said repackage. So you can sell a bulk batch to another company, and they can repackage it for five different brands. Yeah, doesn't but, matter. But but we're talking about stuff that's in final form. No, but no, it's because, not because they they wouldn't they, they wouldn't they, they, would, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have failed the test hold just on R and D tests. Hold on, Jason, you're wrong. I am. When you, okay, when let's you, let's hear let's hear you wrong. wrong. Compliance test on a bulk batch of flour. That information goes on the batch label when you put it into an eighth. It doesn't have to be retested for flour. Mm, could have been the could, it, could the lab be it, could the lab be the one at, at fault here? Hey, could, is that rule again? You, you What's that rule? Yeah, could the, could the lab, could the lab be the one that wanted the business and they didn't want to interrupt that? Here's here's what's happening, guys. Here's what's happening is they probably are using a product as a foliar spray that they don't know contains chlorophenepper. That's probably the actual answer here. And it's not contamination from the walls, and it's not the lab messing up. Hold it's on. Probably Hold on. There's people in the chat, Simon, saying that there was a clean COA and then the product was retested. And that is basically oh, what is happening. So, therefore, it was clean. It was product that passed a COA and then got retested after someone purchased it off the shelf and now is getting recalled. Here's the problem, guys. When you're doing all these lab tests and then you're getting a repackager that repackages it and retests it, always use the same lab. Always. <laughs> There's that lab monopoly again. Uh, we got we got to go to a commercial. We're going to be right. Oh, we have no more commercials. Oh man! Oh, Lab man. Monopoly. Oh, man. Wait a second. Let's talk about that for a second. You want to talk uh, about that, Todd? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, look, most products there are no monopolies in federally illegal businesses. <laughs> yeah, <it's> definitely <laughs> not in Nevada. <laughs> um, but very rarely do st does stuff fail for pesticides in Nevada. Once, oh, every six months or so. As far as pesticides being inside buildings. It does exist in HVAC. Spinosad is one pesticide that we have found in someone's HVAC, and they just can't get rid of it, and it's everywhere. Um, and it was it bombed, and the Spinosad went into uh, the walls, the ceiling, into the HVAC, and it's now all over everything that they grow, and it's a very difficult 
situation that they're in, right? So it does happen. It's very rare, but it does happen. Um, and to say that they sold it with a clean COA, then it got retested with a dirty COA, you have to look at the lab that did the original test. You yep. just have to. I, I mean, in, especially in California. Sounds like a fake know, investigation to me. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. In Nevada, can you do that time? In Nevada, can you test bulk batches or does it all just have to be after it's packaged? Every five pounds of flour has to be tested, every fifteen pounds of trim, every two point two pounds of extract, and every batch of edibles has to pass homogeneity testing. Yes, yes. Um, and all safety testing as well. And on that, we are going to go to the man who founded Digipath Labs out there in the great state of Nevada. He's also the founder of the Smuggleverse, where you can buy all of your digital weed and NFTs. That's right. It is none other than Mr. Todd Dankin. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jason and the rest of the crew. Um, Ohio is still a mess. Adults can now legally possess and grow marijuana in Ohio. But there's nowhere to buy it. Ohioans uh, woke up last week in a land of limbo for recreational marijuana use. Adults can now legally grow and possess cannabis at home, cannot legally buy it. On Wednesday night last week, Republican Governor Mike DeWine urged, lawmaker, <clears throat> urged lawmakers to quickly set parameters for issue two, the citizen initiative voters approved in November. Well, the state pushed through an 11th hour deal Hours before the law took effect, Ohio House adjourned without taking it up. Representative Jamie Callender said, quote, There's no drop-dead date for implementing a legal sales scheme, and that growing marijuana at home or allowing possession can proceed according to the voters' wishes. He said he wants to, quote, Make sure we're thoughtful, that we have adequate time to look at it and deal with the things that don't go into effect immediately. Representative Bill Seitz also defended the decision to adjourn without acting on the 160 pages of related legislation now pending in the House. He said, we're not going to pass sight unseen, such a monstrous proposition in 48 hours. That's just <laughs> nuts, he said. Lawmakers need, to, need time to work through the complexities of setting up cannabis sales, taxation, and a regulatory structure. Mine, however, worried openly about a worst-case scenario developing, saying black market sales could flourish or that fentanyl or pesticide-laced marijuana products might become more accessible. He called the current state of affairs a recipe for disaster. Lawmakers had four months last year to act. As a citizen-initiated statute, Issue 2 had to be submitted to the legislature first. For the GOP-controlled legislature, chose to do nothing measure was placed on the November 7th ballot and passed with a 57% of the vote. Allows adults 21 and over to buy and possess up to two and a half ounces of cannabis and to grow up to six plants per individual or 12 plants per household at home. Gave the state nine months to set up a system for legal marijuana purchases subject to a 10% tax. Sales revenue was to be divided between administrative costs, addiction treatment, municipalities with dispensaries, for social equity and jobs programs supporting the cannabis industry itself. Just days before the law took effect, Senate Republicans proposed a sweeping rewrite of what voters already approved, angering the issues, uh, issues backers and alarming both parties in the House. It would have outlawed growing at home, cut the allowable amount of pot that can be possessed to one ounce, and raised taxes on purchases to 15% instead of 10 would also eliminate tax revenue for uh, funding for social equity programs, supporting the marijuana industries, and direct most of the tax money raised to the general state government fund. Compromise negotiated with DeWine and approved 28 to 2 by the Senate on uh, Wednesday would cut the number of household plants allowed to six, retain the higher 15% tax on purposes, and reduce the allowable THC levels for cannabis extracts 90% to 50%. Deal would restore a 2.5 ounce position limit, uh, possession limit, and allow 35% THC plants while nixing state control of most of the revenue. Afters of the legislation garnered Democratic support in part, adding a provision to expunge the criminal records of people convicted of possession of two and a half ounces or less 
That measure would also require child-safe packaging and ban ads targeting children, a priority of the governor. If, legisl if legislators veer too far from what voters approve, the coalition to regulate marijuana like alcohol or other opponents of issue two can always pursue a referendum. Possibility should give lawmakers an incentive to work with proponents of more relaxed marijuana laws. And Stephen Steinglass, Dean Emeritus of Cleveland State University College of Law and a leading expert on Ohio's Constitution, he said some of the maneuvering going on now is unprecedented. Voters have only approved three initiated statutes in 111 years, and none of the three have ever been amended, repealed, or fiddled with by the General Assembly. And President Matt Huffman said the Senate compromise respects voters while addressing important concerns. He said, I'm opposed to legalization, but it's the law. We don't want illegal sales, black market, if you will, to get a foothold. Meanwhile, there are plenty of aspects of the new Ohio law that can be immediately enforced, said Lewis Tobin, executive director of the Ohio Prosecuting, uh, Prosecuting Attorneys Association. As of Thursday, it's going to be very difficult to find probable cause and prosecute people who are carrying around less than 2.5 ounces of marijuana. But prosecutors and law enforcement are still going to be on the lookout, he said. People smoking in cars, still breaking the law. People carrying around more than two and a half ounces are still breaking the law. People engaging in private sales are still breaking the law. People driving under the influence are still breaking the law. This really sounds like uh, uh, what happened in Nevada as uh, Nevada voters approved legislation of medical cannabis back in 2000. The program um, didn't get on board until 2014 because there was no place buy cannabis that was the big problem you can have a license to smoke it but you can't buy it anywhere yeah i remember and that. a judge found that constitution remember all that right so mm -hmm. it took 14 years yep. to put a program together um after that yeah i remember like, it doesn't take 14 years uh, yeah in ohio right mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um and with that, I'm Todd Engen with High and I News. Jason? Yeah, Todd, I, I remember this. I remember even, too, like there was some cultivations that, that had all this flour that was ready, but because they didn't have a distributor license, they couldn't actually transport it down the hall to the retail to be able to uh, package it to sell it. Right, and, yeah. and, and dispensaries were illegal. Mm -hmm. So you can grow it and you can have it, but you just can't buy it anywhere. And then a, uh, a local judge found it unconstitutional. At the state took medical marijuana license money patients mm -hmm. and didn't provide access. Yep. That's what uh, shut it all down. Yeah. couple things you stand know, out for me. couple things stand out for me. The first is when you take taxes from anything and you put it in the general fund, that is the equivalent of being in second grade on the schoolyard and that really big sixth grader comes over and takes your lunch money. Okay, so I'm never a proponent of just taking money out of this industry, putting it in a general, general fund, because that tax revenue, once it goes someplace, oh, it's supporting this, it's supporting that. Oh, now we have children with cleft palates. It's funding their removal of this and that. And once those taxes get built into the model, it's really hard to go to to to, to peel those back or to, to to taper those down and have less taxes. Uh, the other thing is, this is interesting to me, right? Because the voters pass this and the voters are, are you know, it's like the mob in Rome. It's fickle. It's fickle. You got to watch out for what voters are, are, are willing to agree to. They may not all be super sophisticated policy wonks. And I think it's an incredibly dangerous precedent when something is voted upon to think that those people who are entrusted in positions of, uh, of, of power and public policy as elected officials should go back and twiddle and fiddle and muddle and fuddle with things under the auspices that they know better than the voters. That's a really slippery slope. And then when we have these conversations and they're quoting this risk of fentanyl and cannabis, that just really concerns me because as far as I can tell, that that's a that's a, a false concern. And and to have people making decisions around cannabis policy that don't know that fentanyl in cannabis isn't a thing leads me to to wonder and worry whether they're gonna be able to make educated decisions on any of this stuff. Anyway, a quick a quick question here. Uh, did right. the did, did the Ohio government inadvertently create the next batch of uh 
trappers here by opening up home grow and <laughs> opening up home grow and you can have possession so these people are just gonna start growing and selling their own shit like in their own backyards it's a homegrown trap just just, just pop are, are, are they allowing for outdoor home grow in ohio i thought it had to be inside uh, it does say per household. It doesn't say. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure in Ohio you cannot grow outdoors. You have to grow indoors. I think I remember reading something like that, but who knows? Maybe I'm. It's like well, I mean, well, either like the either either way, they're gonna be they're gonna be sitting on a glut of product, and uh, there's gonna be a glut of um, uh, people looking for product. And you don't have any. What do you mean? They're just gonna drive. To, they're just gonna drive to Michigan, bro. Are you serious? Where they can actually buy real well, why, why drive to and not tents. Why, why, why? No one's driving. You ain't got to tell from the guy the down the street. Yeah, no one's hey, driving to fucking Michigan. Oh, you should look at the data, anyway, Todd. You should look at the data. You don't have to sell tents if you grow on your own shit. You I mean, I have I have high hopes for a state that's named Ohio. I mean, I'm sorry to get all dad-grade joke on you, but I, I, Ohio was good to me a couple years ago. We did really well with dispensary development out there. I'm 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 hopeful for the state. I think two ounces though is a modest amount. I mean, if you roll with Simon Rosani, two ounces is just what you bring to the party and take so some two days to roll it. But yeah, it, it does take them two four days. Four hours and 20 <laughs> minutes to construct a egg of hey. blunts. But if you're hey, going to hey, hold hey, the party, hey, two hey, ounces hey. is – that's just enough to hey, get we're, the party we're, we're, started. Uh, we're rolling into overtime right now, Jason. Do you want to uh, give your uh, the, the second oh, the, one real quick? Yeah, let me let, let me let me let me just give you guys a quick heads up on on this on this other story. Um, I'm just gonna just go into it. If you want to check it out, you can go to our website at www.highatnightnews.com and 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 check it all out. But it has to do with a Canadian guy, okay? And I'm just gonna read always the, Canadians. The, yeah, I'm gonna read the title for you. It says NS, which I believe there st stands for Nova Scotia. Marijuana activist accused of not reporting $2.5 million in sales and faces huge tax penalties. Chris Enns, 39, is being sued by the Canada Revenue Agency for not reporting $2.5 million in sales at his illegal dispensaries a decade ago. If found guilty, Sorry. he could face a huge tax bill, you guys. For for his trap store, he, they're coming after him for two and a half million dollars in Canada. Sorry, <laughs> ten years ago, that man Canada 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 must be really really hard up on the, on the money. adjusted for inflation. Is it even adjusted for inflation 10 years later? <laughs> I, 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 the, 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 how they adjust for inflation is with interest and penalties, Rico, in Canada. Justin Trudeau, Justin Trudeau on the on the hunt. Man, <laughs> what happened to a statue of limitations, you guys? There's no statute of limitations. So no, he was probably charged within the window of the statute of limitations, and it has just dragged on this amount of time. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Getting, bro. Yeah. This, is, this is Canada, bro. Ten, ten years ago, Justin Trudeau. Ten years ago, Justin Trudeau was filling down face. Me from five years ago, bro. Come on. This is this, this, yeah, Justin this, Trudeau this, this was is filling down. He was still attending parties in Brownface ten years ago. I, I think you should give this guy amnesty. Oh God! Oh, are you gonna call that reparations? If wow. they give him amnesty? We'll call it the free market, Jason. <laughs> I just call it a statute of limitations. Here's the Canadian government in a nutshell. There's they're like there's some guy selling like all drugs, all the letters, and uh, and then they're going after this guy after ten years uh, for for tax penalties. It's you know look, there's no end to to corruption in the government system, and when it comes to money from people like us. They want it, and they're gonna try to get it. So just you know, hold tight, like the mm. like the Spartan warriors. Yes, hold. Long uh, so you're saying, so you're saying, stand your ground, Simon. Stand your fucking ground. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you don't want to pull a Wesley Snipes and think you're like a free non-American yeah. citizen. Oh. Next thing you know, you're hey, in jail for hey, the tax hey, evasion. Get the whole mansion and the whole gate with the hammer sign taken down. That's not a good look. But hey, Wesley, Wesley Snipes was in the great state of Ohio when he came up with that scheme. And you know what? It actually checks out, but they would not take his his case to the uh, to the yeah, uh, Supreme it, Court. Hold on, here, here, here's it, it, out all right. Here, here, here's, he was that's, that's, out. A, that's a deep that's a deep story, and uh, just know that um, um, uh, 
most of us do not have the juice or the pockets to fight <laughs> that fight hold all on. the way up to the Supreme Court and call taxation what it is on a federal level. Yeah. Hold, hold on, hold on a second. Here, here, here's one line. Here's one line out of this. I think you guys will find this interesting. The CRA's interest in Ennis appears to be connected to his arrests on trafficking charges and police raids of his dispensaries in 2013 and 2014. The agency declined to comment, but audits of illegal income are commonly pr- uh, prompted by tips from law enforcement. They say. Snitches. Yeah. Hold on. Either way. Hold on. Tips from law enforcement. That means that law enforcement was snitching on him about this. So, dude, it's ten, 10 years. Is, it, goes, it probably goes a lot deeper than we're oh, going yeah, to hear. This, this, is, <laughs> this, this I, I sounds like a man LMC. I can't wait for my man LMC to cover this story. Yeah, this exactly. Yeah, Luke, Luke, you need to cover this. Cover this. We need to deep dive into this. We need to know what is yes. what is the real. Right. Yes. So, uh, but uh, thank you all for joining us for yet another episode of Hide Nine News. You can catch us live weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fans showing love, getting their comments posted live on the big screen, to our live audience supporters and online uh, as well, catching us across all media platforms, tuning in each day to the headlines of chaos, also known as the developing right. cannabis industry. To our vetted correspondent team tuning in from all over, bringing us much needed variety of perspective and your respected opinions to the table. Our production team, Cloud Media Partners, Adam in the background doing the damn thing with the sunglasses on today because he's just a cool ass motherfucker and uh, to all our sponsors keeping the lights on and our av struggles to a minimum thank you as always cannabis Steve l the reason we show up to read these headlines every single day thank you baby girl and it has been taco about it tuesday december 12th 2023 the show's over you've all been blessed with the top industry headlines hope it was enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until tomorrow saman Razan, you got the outro today what you got for these good people at home my man Man, as we move on every day, just remember, there's people still in prison uh, for cannabis uh, offenses, and it's ridiculous. So, you know, through all the bullshit, we must stay strong. We must stand our ground. We must be one, okay, as an industry and a community, and, uh, you know, respect each other. So peace out. Have a blessed Tuesday. Much respect. Love.